Welcome to another uh, installment of Ministry Hangouts um, with Pastor Greg Surratt. My name is Sean Wood, and um, I am the lead pastor at Freedom Church, which is a church plant out of Seacoast with Pastor Greg and also from the Ark. And I uh, just want to let you know that normally I am the sidekick here, kind of searching Twitter, uh, speaking up when needing to speak up. Uh, but today I will be hosting uh, this ministry hangout because uh, you guys can just be praying for Pastor Greg and his family. Um, they had a death in the family. Um, uh, Pastor Greg's wife, Debbie, her mother, uh, who is 90 years old, lived a, a wonderful, wonderful life, uh, went to be with Jesus uh, uh, just a couple of days ago. And so uh, you guys be praying for them. And, uh, and of course, Pastor Greg couldn't be here because of that, but sends uh, me to do the work of finding out everything we can uh, about money and finances and generosity from a great group of uh, guys that we've got here. Um, so I'll be playing uh, quarterback and also uh, coaching on the sidelines here. So if I switch to someone on camera or they're off camera, that's that's my fault because it's all just me today. But who I do have with me today I'm very excited about um, in the area of generosity. I think we've got a just a panel of, of guys that you're going to be able to get a lot of information out of. Um, first, uh, we have Joe Sangle. Say, hey, Joe. Hola. Yeah. And Joe is a leading teacher of personal finances. He's the uh, star of the organization, I Was Broke and Now I'm Not, and also has a book by that same title, and now is the president and CEO of Enjoy Stewardship Solutions um, Joe has authored three other books as well, including your latest, I believe it's called Oxen. Is that right, Joe? That's right. Released in October. Great. Good deal. And so uh, we've got Joe with us. Uh, we also have Michael uh, Lukaszewski, and Michael is a part of the Rocket Company, the COO of the Rocket Company. And Say hey, Michael. Hey. And uh, after a dozen years as a youth pastor and six years as a lead pastor, uh, Michael has joined the Rocket Company along with Casey Graham, and they put out great resources to help churches in a lot of areas. Uh, but one specific area that would be pertinent today is the Giving Rocket, uh, which I know probably a lot of you have heard of, maybe you haven't heard of, but you'll get to today. And so um, Michael uh, will be here representing the Rocket Company and telling us uh, how we can give some uh, catapulting rocket action to our generosity. And then also we have Chris Willard. Say hey, Chris. Hey, guys. It's great to have Chris with us. Chris is a part of the Generis group um, and is a gen generosity strategist. I like that, strategist. Right on. I like that. It's a good title. Uh, with more than 25 years of ministry leadership experience, also helps with generosity initiatives with Leadership Network, which is a great organization um, that you should know about if you don't already. And uh, we'll put out some links uh, on the the uh, on Twitter just to kind of help you find how you can find them. Uh, but we we thought you know in, in this in the uh, honor of Pastor Greg and how he always starts things off. I uh, just wanted to throw out a topic that was in the news this week in church world, and uh, we always try to to be right on the edge. You know, put our guests to the test and see uh, what they can come up with. But but this week we had um, Tim Tebow. Uh, in the news again, no, no big surprise, Tim Tebow seems to keep showing up in the news, uh, but over um, kind of declining to speak at a church. And, and I don't want to get into the specifics of maybe why he declined as much, um, and, you know, because we don't really know a lot of details besides his uh, one little tweet that he put out. Um, but here, here's what I wanted to ask you guys with lots of experience behind you. 
is um, if you were uh, on the other side of that, if you were Tim Tebow and you were having to deal with this controversy right now, um, kind of maybe what would you do? Or if you were Pastor Jeffers over at First Baptist Dallas and you were kind of having to, to deal with this controversy, how, how would you deal with that? Anybody just want to jump in and talk about what's in the news this week with Tim Tebow? I love Tim Tebow, and he should become a quarterback. <laughs> right on. Is that right? Luke Kazuski is a Florida Gators fan because I'm converting to that from Florida State. I'm not a Florida Gator fan. If I was Tim Tebow, I would have uh, I would have offered to play pray at Hillary Clinton's inauguration. <laughs> there you go. There was a way to put it. There's a way to answer it. And, and we stay with football. Chris, do you have anything you're going to stay yeah, out of well, the controversy? I actually have a daughter who is a student at the University of Florida, and interestingly, a son who is about to graduate from Florida State. So we have a yes. we have sort of a love-hate relationship at our house with Tim Tebow. So I wouldn't presume to give him any advice, but depending on which one of my children is sitting next to me, they would have something to say to him. Well, I'll tell you what I think, too, is I wouldn't want to be – uh, the pastor at First Baptist Dallas during this controversy, nor would I want to be Tim Tebow having to, to uh, figure out what he's going to do with the Jets. So I, I, I'll stay out of that and just right stay uh, being a pastor in little old Monk's Corner, South Carolina, okay. and uh, just stick with that. So, hey, let's get to our topic of uh, discussion that we have for um, today, which is um, really a, a topic that I can say as a church planner of 18 months um, has been one that I have found um, – that I wasn't really well prepared for, um, just going into church planning. I didn't realize how important it was. But as I started to dig in deep to everything there, I I was able to um, see that generosity was something that was was huge um, for me to be able to learn. And so I um, just want to talk about the topic of generosity and maybe giving some advice to church planners, um, maybe being able to give some advice to existing churches and uh, finding um, how it is that we um, can teach on that. So, hey, let's go first with a couple questions on that. First of all, lots of folks listening in who are pastors of current churches, um, maybe not meeting budget, uh, not a culture of generosity that they have built at their current church. Maybe they've taken over a church that was already existing. Um, and he here's a first question. I'll, I'll throw it out to you first. Michael, would have start over there with you? What can you do to just to, to begin to build a, a culture of generosity now? Um, what can you do there? Uh, I think that's a great question, Sean. I think um, one of the most important things is to be thankful. Um, I think thankfulness breeds generosity or some breeding ground. And so I, I think a lot of times we as churches talk about what we don't have and if we only had you know, some donors that could write some big checks and, and, and we compare ourselves to other people. If we're thankful for what God has entrusted us, for all people who are giving in the church, um, and that's a that's a great way. And the second thing I would say is that your church will never be more generous than you. And so I think culture comes from the top down, and we need to be generous, whether we're rich or somewhere in between. Let's model for our people what we want them to do. Awesome. Now, Joe, let's move over to you. What would you say? Just starting off that whole culture of generosity, and let me let me piggyback too on something that Michael said: is how important is it um, for that culture to go down from the 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 senior leader or senior leadership? 
Well, I, I know this. Generosity is a top-down thing. Uh, grassroots efforts for building generosity rarely work if the leader's not modeling it. And what I've seen has been very effective in churches, especially where it may not be a startup, but it's a start over, is for the leader to, to be unapologetic about talking about what God's Word says about money, but they can't only speak about giving. They need to focus on the fact that, as Psalm 24.1 says, the earth is Lord's and everything in it, it's all God's. And they need to talk about that God cares a lot about not only that we give first, but that the rest still retains ownership. And that when we teach on a weekend, we might raise to the surface these real and felt needs of bringing our finances into alignment with God's Word. And what has really been a, a hallmark of our ministry is to provide practical equipping to help people learn how to win with the money God's way. Yeah, awesome. So, And, and I love that, teaching more more on just giving, but even uh, kind of a, an ongoing thing. Um, Chris, one of the things I noticed about Generis and y'all's uh, just the approach that you have is that you talk about that, some evergreen giving, um, mm -hmm. some planning, but just mm -hmm. a whole culture of generosity. What, what is something that you would say, and, and maybe you've said it even recently in sure. consulting to an, to an existing church that's trying to start now building that culture of generosity? Well, I would say that one of the most important issues to consider is your view of generosity and stewardship, meaning do you talk to your congregation about generosity and stewardship because you're trying to raise money, or do you talk about generosity and stewardship and giving because it's a part of spiritual formation. It's a part of what it means to be like Jesus. So if I was a pastor who was trying to jumpstart this idea of creating a culture of generosity, I would begin to teach the scriptures and talk about the fact that generosity is really what it, a part of what it means to be a growing Christ follower. The, the real temptation for pastors is to give the Sermon on the Amount, meaning, you know, I'm going to talk about money when we need money. And what we really need to do is find a way to talk about generosity and stewardship in the same way that we talk about reading the Bible and praying and sharing our faith as one of those fundamental elements of spiritual formation. Mm, I, I love that as far as it's a part of discipleship. In fact, at Freedom Church, um, early on we realized that, that Scripture talks a lot about generosity and that we were going to need people to be generous in time, talent, and treasure. So we made it one of our core values. Um, is generosity, and we've tried to infuse that, and, it, and it's easier. I will say, it's, got, it's easier starting from the beginning, going, this is one of our core values, but that whole idea of building generosity in something that's already existing, um, I would think would be harder. Um, one of the tools you, you guys have given, Michael, and what you guys do with Giving Rocket is um, in a weekly kind of uh, 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 talk, a weekly giving talk. H how do you think that helps? Give us some examples of what that is, because that's a very practical thing that I think a lot of churches could, could glean from. And, and how does that help with building that culture of generosity? Yeah, and, and the good thing about this is that any church can do it. And so we found, you know, years ago, we found that, you know, churches are hopefully 
preparing their sermon and they're figuring out what the sermon's going to be about ahead of time. They're planning that. Musicians are actually practicing the, the songs. Uh, but then when we get up to talk about the offering, it may be a deacon, it may be a worship leader, and they're just making up something on the spot to talk about what's about to happen. We said, what if we plan that moment? We just took those two minutes in that service, that service. And, and gave and people gave what to say. And so we actually, so we actually um, hired a team of professional writers to write these. And, and some of them are based on statistics, some of them are based on stories, some are based on scriptures. But the idea is to basically, every time you receive an offering in church, explain it, connect the dots somehow, tell people what's happening, and then and then just call people to participate. The worst thing is just People are sitting in church and then a bucket comes by, or a plate comes by, and we didn't ask them to participate. They don't know what's going on. And so we just said, let's turn this into a meaningful moment. And I think just some explanation does the trick. And again, like I said before, any can do that. All, all it takes is just some thought and planning about what are we going to say right before the offering is taken up to make that meaningful, connected to worship, connected to St. Anthony's service. Okay, so, so you mentioned sort of explaining it as a part of um, the overall flow of the service, which is something that I think is so important and, and different, you know, really than we think of is that we talk yeah. about worship, talk about the gospel being presented, we talk about building community, and generosity is a part of that too. And Chris, you, you had said something earlier that makes me want to jump back over to you for just a moment, and that is the, the, the process of teaching generosity um, is a part of discipleship. Talk talk about that a little bit more, and and to pastors out there who are, I think, you know, all the pastors I've known are very concerned about discipling their people. I see a lot of talk now of, you know, pastors aren't considered, don't worry about discipling their people. They don't want you know them to grow. They just want to grow a big church or whatever. And I've never found that to be true, hardly. You know, I mean, at all. So I know there are pastors out there who go, I want my people to be more like Jesus. I want to shepherd them, pastor them that way. How does generosity play into that, Chris? Such a great, it's such a great question because if you ask the typical pastor, what's your model for helping a new Christ follower begin to read the scriptures? They'll explain to you that this is how we train people to grow in their understanding of the Bible. How would you train someone to understand prayer? They'll have a model for that. But if you ask the typical church planter or even, in many cases, a seasoned senior pastor, what's your model for teaching generosity and stewardship and giving to your people? You'll get crickets. Like, uh, we haven't thought about that. And it's so important that we understand this isn't about raising money. It's about growing Christ followers. And when we do that, the money, Lord willing, will follow the vision of the church. So for, for the clients that I work with and the churches that I really admire who have really figured this out, they have really taken great effort to build generosity into the spiritual formation path of the people that they're, they're working with. So they're so teaching they're it teaching from, the from the scriptures. They're talking about it in their small groups. They're doing what Michael said a moment ago, too. They're using that, that offering time to open up the word and to say, this is why we give. Instead of, as Michael so well said, just the basket just comes in front of you and wonder what in the world's going on here. So I just think it's important for us to recognize that people don't see generosity as a part of spiritual formation unless we teach it to them. Hmm. That's good. And as I think about it, you know, we've got 
all kind of ways that we're trying to work with people and sin issues that are in their lives. And they may have a lot of baggage um, from choices that they've made and from marriages that were failed, and they've accumulated all this baggage. Um, I think about Joe, for, for you, one of kind of the hallmarks and how I, how I actually um, knew of you was when you started, I was broke, but now I'm not. And I remember finding your website and the little, the house picture on there that had all the little cubes that you were, you were teaching people to get rid of all the debt and the, the garbage and the bad decisions that they'd accumulated financially. How does that play into not only being able to be generous, of course, but also into this whole theme of generosity being a part of discipleship when it comes to um, being broke and not being able to, to be generous? Well, I, I've noticed this, that most people live in a world where they feel like every dollar God's blessed them with now, they should spend. And every person I talk to is expecting to make more money in the future, not less. And so they always are saying, when I get time, in the future I'll save, in the future I'll give. And what, and what people need to understand clearly is that God's Word is very clear. He wants to build His kingdom. He wants us to give first, and that every dollar He blesses us with includes enough to give back, to be generous, and it also includes enough for us to have margin in our lives. And so one of the things you mentioned, my house, we call it the single family house chaos spectacular, which in January 18th this year, we paid off our house. I'm fired up about that. But, but what I know is I know that I'm 38 years old. years old. I've paid on a house for 15 years, but I don't know any other 38-year-olds who's paid off their house. And that should not be. But it, the fact is that we all we kind of live against the edge, and we're always asking God to bless us with more. And I found in my life that giving keeps me from becoming greedy. That when I put God first, and, and I put, I put him, him first with a huge, with a huge percent, percent, way more than a tithe. That gets that my gets attention, and it helps and me understand that resources are limited, and that if I'm truly going to prosper, and I'm going to always, I'm going to always be able to be a blessing, not only to build God's kingdom, but to my family, I need to have a plan, and it doesn't happen without intentionality. That's good. Chris, I know you work a lot with churches in helping them kind of start this progress uh, process, go through this process. Um, I mean, what do you find are some of the, I guess, I hate to say hurdles, but the biggest hurdles, I guess, in getting pastors to understand that it's not about raising money and that it is about getting more 38-year-olds who are debt-free so that their generosity can just explode, that it is about discipling people to realize that it's not all about them. What are the hurdles that you find there as you're working through with pastors that maybe some of the pastors joining in right now um, would uh, feel as well? Well, I think one of the very first things I would suggest is, and it's already been mentioned a little bit already today, is that it's important for the pastor to be on a journey of generosity himself. He doesn't have to have it all the way figured out. He may still be a work in process, but it, people can tell when the pastor has sort of a some sort of a hiccup or twitch about money. Either he's too interested in it, he's too afraid to talk about it. So one of the things I really encourage the pastors that I work with is to just take whatever the next step for you is in this journey of generosity. Uh, sit down and talk with your family about your own giving. Uh, talk about your fears as it relates to money. 
and then, and then share, share in the appropriate settings with your people that you're in this journey as well. Because I think people need to know that their pastor gets it. Uh, so many of us, um, we don't see that our pastor understands the challenges that we're having about money. But that would be one thing. The other thing that I would really encourage a pastor to do is to try to figure out how are we currently talking about money? Asking the question, how do we talk about money around here? is an unbelievably revealing process because your people will tell you, well, we talk about money when we're out of money or we talk about money when, uh, I mean, we, you'll just find out things that you need to know and then begin to, to roll out for your people a, a, a process where they can, as Joe talks about so well, get themselves in a place where they're financially healthy so that they can say yes to the vision of the church. I think one of the most frustrating things for a person in a congregation is to hear a compelling vision come, uh, preached by their pastor and then to go home to their kitchen table and think, well, I can't do anything about that because I'm so upside down I can't even say yes to that. So it's really important that we use tools like crown or financial peace or other great products out there to help us get unstuck yeah good good stuff and I love that just the tools part of it um, is is so important we give tools and everything else kind of like kind of a theme of this whole thing is you know we give tools in marriage we give tools in all these areas but in generosity um, I, I find that sometimes for me I just assume that people have grown up in the uh, you know the the Baptist Bible Belt that I grew up in. When my grandfather would give me five dollars, and I would take a dollar of it and take it to church, and he just taught me this thing of giving. And and the concept for a lot of people, um, I'm finding, is just completely new, completely foreign. I mean, when we started the church, I had more than than one or two people come and ask me, "Now, how exactly do you get paid? Is there like..." you know, an organization that sends you money or does it come down like manna? I mean, like, how does this happen? And there was zero concept of the idea of, of giving. And so in preaching, I've really tried to, to, to teach about generosity. And, and I think, Chris, like what you're saying is so important, not just when you need money, but sometimes to be able to get up and go, hey, we don't need any money. You guys are doing an unbelievable job. You're generous. Let me, let me tell you why that's, that's good and to be able to do that is amazing. But how do we, Michael, what, what are the hats that you wear also, it's not only giving rocket, but preaching rocket, and I, I think in a lot, a lot of ways these, these things can bleed over. Um, how, do we, how do we work it into preaching without what Chris said, you know, you having that, that kind of that point where it's like, okay, wait a minute, this pastor cares too much about money, all he preaches about is money, and yet we know that Jesus talked about money a lot. Um, what do you think a good barometer for that is, Michael, and how do you see people really effectively working it into their preaching and it continue to be a discipleship tool in that way. Yeah, I think, um, you know, what's interesting is um, I, I actually attend North Point Community Church where, uh, where Andy Stanley's a pastor. And he actually, he made a comment in passing a few weeks ago. He actually referenced, we, we tossed around that thing that Jesus talked about money all the time. And he said, you know, Jesus talked about money all the time, but he didn't ask for money all the time. And what well, we've got to do to find that balance between what the Bible says about stewardship and money and life and also what the Bible teaches about generosity and giving and supporting the church. And so in Giving Rocket, what we try to do is advocate an approach where you actually talk about money every week. 
So you're going to do an offering, explain it. Explain it. It's not a sermon. It's not guilt. Explain what's going on. Uh, but then on a regular basis, build into your teaching calendar healthy messages on stewardship. And stewardship is not just financial. We all know this, but we've got to build it in. So we do like what you said. Um, that we're not just talking about you know money when when we have any, but we're talking about money in a healthy way. And so I do think you need to preach on money. I do think you can preach a sermon on money without asking people to give. I think you can preach. Um, you know, the other thing we see is people afraid to talk about money because they're going to run through walls. Well, people are not stupid. They know it takes money to run a church. They're sitting in a building that has air conditioning. They, they fully expect that there's money involved. And so it's not that we talk about money. It's how we talk about money. And if we talk about it from a, a grace perspective, from a gospel perspective, I was just reading um, in Exodus not so long ago, and they, they, they asked the people bringing money to the temple, uh, to the tabernacle to stop because they had to. And here's somebody, here's somebody going, thank you, you know, good job, and we don't need it anymore. And I was thinking, no church in America is that passage right now because we, we, we get scared about it. So I think the key is to plan out effectively when you're going to talk about every week, what are you going to say every month, what are you say every quarter, what are you going to preach on every year, and, and just to make a healthy diet. Yeah, that's good. That's good. All right, I want to kind of give a opportunity just for um, – Anything that's been said, guys, Chris, Joe, Michael, any of you, um, that you say, hey, I, somebody said something, I want to balance off of that, or just anything to kind of wrap up what we've talked about at this point. Uh, any thoughts to add? Anybody? I, I want to pick up on what Chris said, that when people are broke and they, they go home to their kitchen table and they're like, well, I wish I could be a part of this, is that I've, I've discovered that if the enemy can keep us broke, he can keep us ineffective. And he'll keep us self-focused because when you're broke and you can't pay your bills, you're only focused on you and taking care of you. And you need to do that and you need to take care of your bills. And when you hear this compelling vision and you're building a building, the people that are broke, they don't feel inspired. They feel very guilty. And what is the passion of Generis, and I know it's the passion of Michael and their team, and my passion, and I'm so glad we have about 180,000 people in this stuff, is we want something for people. We want for them to have freedom so that they can engage in this stuff. Because I know what it's done in my own life. And so I was just piggybacking on what Michael said. There's nothing more effective than a pastor who's living this in their own life getting up and speaking from personal experience about what generosity has done in their lives. Mm. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I, good I would say too, because we did a survey last year and we surveyed a thousand churches and we asked those churches if they were behind budget or ahead budget and then we just took out the churches who was ahead of budget. They're doing better than they planned and we found that in the top five was helping people with their personal finances. Preaching on money was not in the top five, but helping people with, with their personal finances was in the top five. And so, like, through Joe's thing that he does, um, through the financial learning experience, uh, Chris mentioned Crown and some of those other stuff, if you help people with their finances and not just tell them to give, they'll be in a position to give. You know, it's broke people can't give. And so what Joe's doing and you know, what some other people are doing, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's not a backwards way to do it. It's a way to do it. 
help people in the church, and and then they'll be in a position to support the church. That's so good. Uh, I think it's uh, we're in the midst of trying to raise some money for um, building a building uh, for a young church, and uh, I was reading where uh, in the scripture Jesus said, you know, the wasn't the job of the the Pharisees are, they often did pile more guilt on top of people and more things to do. And I thought many times, Chris, as I, as I stood up and asked for, um, and, and Joe, I think you said this too, as I'm standing up and asking to give, I know some of the stories of some of the people out there because I'm counseling with them um, that right now they would love to want to be a part, but on this pass, um, they're just not going to be able to. Like, it's just not possible at this point. They have to get their personal finances in order first. And so as I, as I think back to um, our beginning, I wish in the very, very beginning that I would have put more emphasis probably on personal finances and not so much just preaching generosity. So that's something I'm learning even right here as we, as we talk. As we talk about that, you know, and I bring up the subject of our, our kind of our giving um, emphasis is what we're calling it. In fact, we, we did a very short emphasis. It was a 30-day emphasis, and we called it, we need $250,000 in 30 days. That was, the, that was the, uh, what we called it because that's what it was. Um, what is, in all of your opinions, and we'll start over here with Chris. I'll, I'll start with you in just a second, so I'll give you a heads up. But what is, um, what is the state right now of capital campaigns for that word or whatever they're called now? Um, how are they working what do you see in the future of them? And let's just kind of go through and talk through what are those, um, not just the ongoing giving and ongoing generosity, but those special emphasis times where we do need over and above giving to happen for a special project. What are we seeing right now with them in this generation and how is it working time-wise and all those th kind of things? What's well, a great question. And I would say there's a couple things that come to mind right off, the, right off the bat. I know that both Joe and Michael have something else to add here. Uh, one thing I would say is that it is still the case that compelling vision will will encourage people to respond financially with their generosity. So if your church is about to build a building or do some sort of fantastic missional initiative in your community or around the world, inviting your people to give toward that uh, will, be will be effective if you cast a vision and you invite people to participate in a way that makes sense to them. Uh, at Generis, one of the things that we've discovered is that there is a real challenge to inviting people to give and using that phrase over and above their regular giving. The typical capital campaign loves to use that phrase over and above your regular giving. The problem with over and above your regular giving is that about half of the people in your church are giving zero. So over and above zero isn't really going to get you a whole lot of dough. And so we really need to find a way to integrate the capital project or the missional project into the vision of the church so that we're not raising money for two different things. You know, over here we're raising money to keep the lights on and pay the pastor, but over here we've got this really compelling deal. That is a, that, that's a recipe for disaster. So we've really found that uh, we can, we've been working with churches to try to help them to integrate those messages into one fund that they're raising money for. And it's, it's been tremendously effective with the churches that have used it. Yeah. How about you, Joe? What do you see in, uh, in the area of capital campaigns 
um, as you guys are working with churches? Uh, we're seeing several trends. One of them is that 2008, the economic recession absolutely impacted capital initiatives, but the need for them has not went away. It's increased because pastors have been waiting and waiting for the economy to recover, and it's been a long and protracted recovery. And so there are churches now that are saying, we're through waiting. We have got to go. The vision is too compelling. We have to do this. And, and what we're seeing is that in rapidly growing churches that the commitment period for capital initiatives is reducing. In the past, it maybe 10, 15 years, it would always be a three or always be a four-year initiative. We're seeing a lot of churches embarking on one-year and two-year initiatives. And one of the reasons for that is they're finding that two years later, they've grown so fast that half the people at their church weren't even around at the first commitment. And, and so we've seen that. We've, we've that. also, we've seen, also that. seen that churches are looking for a more holistic approach, that they want something for their people as well, that they're really paying attention to this personal finance component, as well as what are we doing long-term for like end-of-life planning and things like that. So, so I think it's, I think it's the capital the initiatives will always be in existence. Uh, but as Chris said earlier, vision and a strong and compelling vision that God has burned in the heart of the leader is absolutely essential for that vision to get fully funded. If it cannot be said clearly and with passion and authority that it has been given by God, there will be weak giving towards it. How about you, you, Michael? Are you seeing, I know you guys don't specifically work with capital campaigns, but you're watching the church world. You've been involved with them. You're watching your own church, and you're, you're hearing what's going on. What are you seeing as you work with churches through Giving Rocket that maybe are doing capital campaigns um, on how this is working out? And, and to recap, we're seeing you know, that they were combining things is what Chris is saying, that they were just get, we're giving, we're being generous, and we're not separating out what we're giving to, which is uh, something, and just teaching people to give. And then also what Joe is saying is we're seeing a, a, a compaction of the giving time, and so it's less time. Probably not everybody's going to 30 days like we did, but it's less time of giving of what's going on. What, what are you guys seeing, Michael? Well, we definitely see that, and so I would, I would echo both of that, uh, both of these guys. And, you know, I think there's always going to be a need for the church to raise, uh, local churches to raise, um, what I would say is massive amounts of capital for a big project. And hopefully the local church is growing and expanding and people can't fit in a building and move in a different building. And so um, that is absolutely how that happens, where it comes from, all that stuff's going to change, you know, from year to year to year to year. And so we've got to constantly, we've got to constantly, uh, new. Uh, um, what we what focus we on is helping the church uh, with operational revenue, and we don't see we don't that see as that a competition to a capital campaign, campaign, but almost as a preparation for a capital campaign. And so, so if, if the church will focus on, on you know, being financially healthy, if you focus on, you know, we kind of say focus on every day, what happens every week. Then when you do that, you're good stewards all the time, and your budget exceeds your budget doing your ministry God's called you to do. What's going to happen is you be in a position where you need a bigger building, where you need more space, and then that's where you know, these guys can, can jump in and help. And so we focus kind of on that, that health side of things so that you can get to the point where a capital campaign can push you forward into a, a kind of a new, a new ministry frontier.
Mm, that's good. And, and I can say we, we used uh, 30K in 30 days when we launched Freedom Church. Uh, we have been giving Rocket. I think we accidentally stopped being, but now we're, we're subscribing again. We just found out we had stopped subscribing somehow. Um, probably hit the wrong button or something. And we've used it. And, and I can say this, our largest donation so far to our giving uh, initiative um, or basically, I guess our second largest donation, sorry, has been from our operations fund. So we were able to shift some money over that that we had a exodus type moment where our people have been generous, and so we had more than was needed for operations, and we're able to say, okay, we can give towards this effort. Um, we have one account, as Chris is saying, we don't have designated funds or anything, but we were able to move it over in our mind to say, okay, this is this is where this can be spent. And that was a great place to be. Um, I remember hearing Chris Hodges, who you guys are probably all familiar with, talk about how he was able to go before the church when they were ready to put millions of dollars down for a building uh, expansion and uh, say, hey, we just want to let you guys know what we've done, what we did. We, we were able to buy land. We started the building, and it's already paid for because you guys paid for it. But the way they got there, Joe, is something that you said earlier about personal finances is they didn't think that every dollar that came in operationally to the church needed to be spent. And so they were setting aside. And that, that idea of preparing operational and, and staying within budget, um, do you guys see that being – I just I know that I talk to a lot of churches and, and the budget is, is whatever comes in and 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 oh, do you guys see that as being something that's a that's it truly is a problem is that just something I'm seeing it's or a huge that, problem yeah talk about that church, Joe. church leaders um, they like to say that they're a nonprofit and they operate as if they are a nonprofit they spend every dime and make sure there's nothing left and we just see this happen everywhere. And I always point them back to the book of Nehemiah, where Nehemiah inquired as the status of the city of Jerusalem and was told that the wall had been broken down, the gates had been burned with fire. And what he realized in that moment is that nothing done inside the city would matter until they built the wall first. Because if they did not have a wall, if they did not have margin, which is a financial term, then they, whatever they were doing inside the city would always be at risk of being taken away. And so I really encourage churches to build the wall. And I like to say it this way, is that Nehemiah helped them and inspired them to build a wall in Fiddy. So he built a wall around a city in Fiddy in two days. And so if you could build a wall around a city in Fiddy two days, then they can build a wall around their ministry in Fiddy two days. And we recommend the same thing that Giving Rocket offers, and I'm sure Chris would agree with this, is at least six weeks worth of operating expenses in the wall, protecting the church, because ice storms happen, snowstorms happen, people trip and fall and sue the church, you see an opportunity to get a building or go through a ministry opportunity or a hurricane happens, you need the church to be ready and in position with margin to go serve and bless people. That, that is such a great thing. And, I, and I'll tell you, as a church planner, so 18 months into this thing, used to work for Seacoast, um, you know, large mega church, went to uh, Planet Out of Seacoast, small church, small, much smaller budget, much, 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 much smaller budget. And so doing this whole thing, I sleep better at night knowing that we have, uh, and it was at Greg's, Pastor Greg uh, encouraged me that, you know, as quickly as we could, we got to two full months of operation expenses in the yes. bank. And when we did that, I'm going to tell you, my pillow is a lot softer at night, and I just sleep better because of it. It's, it's good. And then also, 
Um, one of the huge things is we've been able to respond to needs. We've been able to respond to dreams um, that, that, I, that I've had as a lead pastor and go, hey, I'd like to go do this. I'd like to tackle this. It wasn't in the budget per se because we're so young. Our budget is just skeletal sometimes, you know, as far as what we know is going to happen. And so it's just been a great blessing. And, and I'm, thankful, I'm thankful to people like Pastor Greg and guys like all of you who are out there teaching this, this um, stuff. And one of the best things I heard is from Chris Hodges again who said, base this year's budget on 90% of what came in last year rather than thinking, oh, we grew so good last year. Surely we're going to grow by 110% next year, so let's do 110% of budget. It just doesn't work, and that has given us margin, uh, Joe, which has just been amazing. Um, Chris, how about for you, what are you seeing yeah. in, in that area? Yeah, there's a great generosity principle that I think we've all been discussing here, and that is that people will tend to be more generous toward the church that is modeling good stewardship itself. So this isn't just, let's make sure we have money so that we can pay the bills. Let's model for our people what it looks like to be a good steward of the resources that God has entrusted to us as a church. So if your people, if you're given the, you know, the sky is falling message a couple of times a year, we're out of money, we're in trouble. Um, a wise gift is sitting in your congregation thinking, Boy, what is wrong with these guys? Who's managing the money there? And why would I want to invest the resources that God has entrusted to me into an enterprise that doesn't seem to be well run? I'm going to have to, I'm accountable to God for how I invest the resources He's entrusted to me. So we've got to be super careful as church leaders that we're modeling good stewardship. In addition, we want to model generosity. So how much of the resources that God has entrusted to us as a church are leaving the four walls of our church, doing some good in the city, doing some good around the world, blessing a church plant, blessing an organization that's doing some good in the city, Again, the giver is watching that organization and thinking, I like what these guys are doing. I like the way they're modeling generosity. There's something about this that is compelling and causes me to want to be a part of it as well. So this isn't just a management principle. This really is a generosity principle. The way we manage the resources of our church really inspires or dampens generosity. Mm, that's good. So, so it does matter, we've said, that the senior lead leadership pastor or team is actually generous personally. I think that's, that's a big thing. It matters that the church is generous because they're modeling it. And then, uh, so how do we though, how do we model or how do we, um, how do we talk about those things, I guess, as a lead pastor? So there's a lot of lead pastors listening right now. Um, I try to be generous personally. I try to, to have my house in order personally, and I don't have any debt um, you know, except for our house. I'm not where Joe is at yet, but I'm trying to get there, Joe. And so we've got all this stuff, that, that, but we also don't want to stand up and make ourselves the hero and, and talk about, well, I've got it all together, as we don't with any other subject. But I think it's important for our people to know that you know, we do are generous people, are generous church. Michael, as you're thinking about it, and as someone who's you know stood in front and preached um, as a senior leader before, I mean, how do you how do you think that balances out the whole? Um, I don't want to be prideful. I don't want to put myself up as a hero, but people need to know uh, where I stand on generosity and where I stand on financial management. Yeah, that's a great 
uh, great question, Sean, because I think um, fundamentally we need to understand that our our church people don't think we have real jobs, and they don't they don't think we live in their real world, and in many ways we don't, and so they think that all our needs are taken care of, and they think that our marriages are completely perfect, and and you know every, everything's fine. And so what we've got to do is we've got to look at that that way to connect with them authentically. And that doesn't mean beating ourselves up, and it doesn't mean putting ourselves up on a, on a pedestal either. It means um, dealing authentically with every topic that we in the Bible, including money. And so practically, I mean, I've heard Joe do this. I've read in Joe's books, and I've read every single one of them. And I've seen Joe talk about financial mistakes he's made, not just paying off his house. And so and what so we've got to do is, is talk about both sides of the side. Talk about where we get it right, what we've learned, but also talk about you know, some of the mistakes we've made when it comes to financial, you know, dealing with finances. And then that, that helps our people see that we are real people, that we're dealing with some of the same stuff that we need to talk about taxes. Um, again, I told you I go to North Point. I hear Andy talk about, he'll just mention things like 401ks, business people. I mean, he's just talking about business examples and financial examples that's just out there in the world. And when he does that, it makes me think he understands me. So. That's good. Hey, speaking of Andy Stanley, has been brought up a couple times. I, I saw a sermon of his a couple of, I think it was a couple months ago, and that, that I wrote down as, as one topic to bring up, and this will be our last kind of question. Then I'll let you guys tell me what's on your mind right now, book you're reading, project you're involved in, something that you just want to, it'll be uh, selfish, selfless promotion time, you know, selfish promotion time. So, um, But uh, I heard Andy preaching about um, kind of this idea of, giving the long obedience in the same direction type of giving being so much more impactful than the you know dropping a large gift every now and then in. and I think Michael actually even got to that because you tweeted about it and it was very impactful to you as well but I saw that and I, and I see that in our, our people I mean I have I have some people who just give uh, just consistently just this tithe consistently over and over, and they probably don't have the ability to write the very, very large checks. But some of the very, very large checks maybe get outrun by that consistent giving. And what what is the? I guess we've probably talked about this already, but to me that idea was just fascinating. And, and I wonder how do we how do we continue to teach that? And and maybe one nugget that you'd have um, towards that um, toward that theme. Um, we'll start over, Chris. Why don't we start over on your side with you? Yeah, it's a really great observation, and you know, uh, who's better than Andy Stanley at capturing and and telling some of these stories? But I think it's so important for people to understand that it is that consistent, faithful, intentional giving of the Christ follower that makes the church work. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's really it's kind really of kind easy, easy to write a check, write a check when they talk, they talk about, about the, 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 the wells that are going to get dug, dug in, Africa, in Africa or, or this great this project, project that's going to get done in the city. city. Oh, right on. I want to get involved in that. Let me write a check. But Andy calls that kind of giving giving 1.0. It's sort of that response to a need. It's sort of easy. It's the giving 2.0, as Andy puts it, that every day, every week, intentional, on purpose, faithful giving that makes the church work. 
So I think so it's I so think important, important to, to communicate to people that, yes, we, yes, want, we to want to respond spontaneously, spontaneously when we see a need, but we also need we to sit need down to sit and intentionally and decide before the Lord, this is what this is I feel like God is calling me to do in terms of giving. And we're going to do this on a regular basis without having to be asked or inspired or motivated. We're going to do it because it's what God's called us to do. Good. How about you, Joe, on that topic? Well, I think that... Automatic giving and digital giving and making it automatic has become one of the things that has been a huge trend in the church in the last five years. And one of the reasons why it is so incredibly impactful to ministries is it's allowing people to not have to wait till Sunday to give first. They can give instantly as soon as they're paid. And they can not have to rely on their own personal feelings every single week. It's as Chris just said, a person can make a personal decision. What are we going to do with generosity? And we want it to be consistent. And they can set it and not have to keep revisiting that decision every single week, week in and week out. And so I've seen that consistent thing happen and really help churches uh, really bridge a summer slump, make sure that people who have made a commitment to give have it actually come to fruition. But even more so, I've been able to see that this, this idea of consistent giving, as teachers teach it, and they teach on a regular, consistent basis about what the Bible says about giving, that we are to always give we are blessed, and it should be first, that it, it helps them connect the dots that projects come and go, Ministry needs to happen every single day. And just because you're not here six of the seven days of the week, we're serving. And I, a story comes to mind of a person who just recently, they lost a family member. And they had no idea that a component of our church existed that serves to do ministry in times of grief. They had no idea they did. And their awareness of what's happening through the ministry is at another level, and they realize, hey, I've kind of heard about it, but now I understand even more. Ministry needs are happening and being met all day, every day, whether I've been using them personally or not, but there will be a day that I will need them. And it's pretty awesome to be able to know that I'm supporting that. That's good. How are you, Michael? Yeah, I think, you know, Joe mentioned something about automatic giving, and that survey I mentioned earlier, where we surveyed the thousand churches and found what we can actually budget, um, emphasizing recurring giving is number one. And churches that emphasize recurring giving, not just offer it, but emphasize it, and actually teach their congregation. Congregation, how do you And Chris and talked Chris about tools earlier. earlier. If you emphasize if you automatic recurring giving, giving and teaching people that hey, it's not the big gift every now and then; it's the consistent, you know, week by week, we paid every two weeks, every month, whatever it is. Honor God automatically and stop having depend on it not enough or remembering or anything of those kind of things to make it automatic. And so we've actually seen a big, a big connection with that. What we teach in Giving Rocket is helping churches help their congregation automate their giving because that begins the trickle down effect, and it hands down was the number one factor. Churches that are exceeding their budget is not just offering it. A lot of churches offer it, but actually teaching your church, showing them how to do it, and using that tool, and it really does make a big difference. 
That's great. Hey, guys, you, this has been so helpful to me sitting on the other side as a church planner. I know for the pastors on the other side who will be watching this and church leaders and volunteers um, and just being able to teach our people. I want to give you guys one last just snippet to uh, tell me something, book you're reading, book you've written, project you're working on, something new that you want to let people know about. Um, and I know, Chris, you've got to jump off the, uh, the uh, hangout just a little early, so I'm going to let you go first so you can tell us about that and whatever is going on for you that you want everybody to know about. Well, thanks a lot, Sean. Actually, I think I can stay until we wrap okay. up. But uh, I would, there's two things I would say. One, because it hasn't really been said yet, I'll say to everybody, say thank you to your givers. When you get a gift from somebody for the very first time, it is a spiritual thing. So make sure that they hear from you uh, a thank you. You're proud of them. You're going to use that money well. Uh, in terms of an opportunity that I would want to make available, I'm, I'm kind of excited that um, Zondervan, who is the publisher of the book that Jim Shepard and I wrote called Contagious Generosity, is offering the online version of the book, I think it's through the end of March, for a really good deal. I think it's only like $5 or $5.99 or something like that. So, you know, we think it's, we think it's a helpful book, not because we're geniuses, but because we've captured... Uh, some, uh, of some of the best practices and some of the of the churches that we've had an opportunity to work with, but that be something I pass along for somebody that might be interested in getting the book. They can get it online at a good deal. Good deal. How about Joe? What's going on for you that you want to let us know about? Well, uh, we're embarking on a nine-city tour uh, with a conference called the Generosity Learning Experience, and we're hitting three cities per month in the months of March, April, and May. We'll be in Atlanta starting next Tuesday on March. Uh, March 6th, I believe that is, or March 5th, March 5th, and then we'll be in Chicago on Wednesday, and we'll be in Orlando on Thursday, and we're going to be talking about practical ways that church leaders can grow generosity in their church, and we're going to talk about how to talk to people who have the gift of giving, how to teach people how to win with their money God's way, and how to prepare your church for a major giving initiative, and they can check it out at enjoyskinship.com slash generosity. Good deal. How about you, Michael? What's going on for you that you want to let us know about? Yeah, we're just, you know, we're just honored to serve so many church uh, leaders. And Giving Rocket is kind of one of the three things that we do. We have Preaching Rocket, which is uh, designed to help pastors preach better. And uh, in, in May, we're launching Volunteer Rocket, which is a set-up, uh, really practical for churches to uh, involve, gain, train, and retain uh, volunteers, and so we're excited about that. As far as um, something that may be a next step, I mentioned this report, the survey thing that we did a couple times. But if anybody's watching this and you want that, we where we uncover the five things that churches do that they're giving goes past their budget. Just go to our website and you can get that. It's just a free study thing. We gave you some tools and stuff with it. So you can go to therocketcompany.com and get that. Uh, or email me, uh, Michael, at the and I'll shoot that to you. Hey, and, and this time would be wasted, too, Michael, if you didn't take just an opportunity. I think there's something um, about a clown that, that would be great to let people know about real quick. Yes. Um, yeah, that's awesome. My daughter is actually in the other – she just came home from school, and my daughter is uh, has written a, written a children's book. 
And so we've actually for the last six months been going to breakfast on the weekends, and she came up with the idea, and I'm just kind of helping her. She actually launched a Kickstarter campaign to raise money to pay an illustrator, a professional illustrator, and uh, get the book published. And so the clown, it, uh, the book's name is Harry the Clown. It's Harry with the eye, because it's bold. And so, so there's some irony there, I guess, yeah, the irony in, in fifth grade. And so she's a fifth grader, and she's written a, written a little book, so I'm trying to help her uh, raise some money to get that thing published. So I'll automate your donation to her project, maybe. <laughs> That's great. Great. So they can go to you. People can go to your Twitter feed and find out more about that. Uh, let me also tell you about yeah, All yeah. Access. Um, you, you guys, if you're paying attention, uh, it's coming up soon, the early – Bird rate ends soon. It's April 15th through 18th uh, in uh, Jacksonville. So you want to be there. You can go, go to related churches or arcchurches.org, either one of those. Find out more information about the ARC All Access Conference. And then also um, just wanted to let you know, too, um, that next time, uh, which is going to be on March the 13th, we will be talking with worship leaders um, and talking in the area of worship. And so make sure... Um, that you spread the word about that, and uh, we're gonna we're not gonna talk to worship leaders about finance. I can tell you that uh, we're gonna talk to worship leaders about <laughs> leading worship. It'll be a whole different topic, but uh, we will be talking with Carlos Whitaker uh, is gonna be on there. Martin Chalk is gonna be a part of it, and Aaron Keys. Uh, so make sure and spread the word if you're listening. Make sure and pay attention for March 13th coming up, and of course we'll let you guys know about it. So hey, just want to be say thanks to all. Uh, for being a part of this is a learning experience for me. Thankful to everybody who has joined in, and we'll join in on the archives later, and we'll see you next time on Ministry Hangout with Pastor Greg Surratt. Thank you, guys. <laughs>